How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Sports Huddle's on the air. One of the wildest weeks of news and sports in Minnesota concludes with a blizzard today, and it is a good old-fashioned Minnesota blizzard. As you look outside, you can cross-country ski through downtown Minneapolis. Mike Max with you in studio. Dave Mona from Someplace Warm. Sid Hartman coming in shortly. Uh, and we got a huge show for you. Uh, Ryan Saunders, uh, Gerson Rosas, Glenn Taylor, they'll all be part of the program today as the Timberwolves made uh, historic news this past week. Brian Lawton will break down the NHL for us and much more. But our leadoff man is a good one, Jim Cott, the one and only uh, obviously the uh, uh, one-time star of the Minnesota Twins who's had a star-studded uh, broadcast and uh, career since he got out of baseball, and we love talking baseball with him. Jim, as I look outside here and I see this blizzard, I want you to recall one more time for those people that don't re- remember or were not alive at that time, 1965, uh, heavy snow during the year, and your opening day, uh, you had to take helicopters from Shakopee to Met Stadium, correct, to play baseball? Yes, I did, That's- we did. Rich Rollins, Bill Buffet, Dick Stigman, and myself. Actually, the river was flooded over. And, of course, no cell phones and cable TV, things like that. So I, I went back home, called Paul Geo, uh, WCCO sports director, and they sent the uh, helicopter to Burnsville <laughs> uh, High School parking lot, and that's how we got it received. We only had 16,000 people that day because it was so difficult for uh, – for people to get, you know, navigate around with all the uh, flooding. And, uh, of course, opening day against the Yankees would have been a full house. Well, Dave Mona, are you, do we have a connection with you, a good, clear yeah, connection? Sure do. Yeah. Dave, go ahead. Great to hear Jim's voice on the phone again. Jim, uh, uh, so much news going on in baseball. And Pete Rose, uh, for whom you were once a pitching coach, has now appealed to Major League Baseball on after what's happened uh, with the most recent crisis, saying, hey, is it time uh, to end his suspension? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Pete and, and the Hall of Fame? And, and, and when I Googled you this morning, Jim, the, the number one uh, most uh, common reference I found to Jim Cott is uh, who are the best players currently not in the Hall of Fame? Well, I think uh, I, I think from coaching with Pete and getting to know him personally, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to be objective, but I think Pete knows how I feel that, uh, you know, he, he, what he did, he did to himself. And, and gambling is a much different issue than yep. steroids or sign stealing. And I, I think, and I've said many times, I thought there should be a, I think there should be a wing in the Hall of Fame with uh, plaques and records of all, whether it's steroids, gambling, if their statistics are Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, people should be aware of what a great player they were, in this case, Pete, and yet say the reason they were not officially inducted into the Hall of Fame is because, and then give the reason. So at least he would have some recognition in the Hall of Fame because, uh, as I've told Pete many times since our uh, playing days are over, Pete, if you went to a tryout camp, they'd send you home the first day. <laughs> you couldn't run. You had no power. Yeah, he didn't have a strong arm. He didn't have any range. How in the world could you be a great baseball player? 
you know, the analytics people would just be dumbfounded that this guy was such a great player. And it, uh, it speaks to intuitive skill, uh, you know, baseball IQ, dedication, hard work, and uh, forget about how good you look in the lobby and analytics. You know, just good old hard country baseball, and that's what Pete was. Jim, we got quite a pickle right now going on with the uh, Twins in this three-way trade and uh, Gratterall's arm and and did Boston look at it? Give me a take on that because uh, the take from Minnesota has been, well, you knew what you were getting when you traded for Gratterall. Yeah, I I, I read Scott Morris's comments. I mean, I think if if you look at the medical records, if they had MRIs in our day back in the 60s, chances are we'd all be candidates for surgery. I mean, nobody has the medically perfect arm if they've done any pitching because if pitching were natural, we'd be walking around swinging our arms up above our heads yep. and our sides. You know, it's, a, it's an abnormal action for that arm to come over. You're going to have some little dicks and tears. So, uh, you know, I, I certainly don't think that Derek Falvey and any of the Twins people tried to deceive the Red Sox. But uh, if they're looking, maybe that's just an excuse. Uh, I mean, the guy still throws 100 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, there's no guarantee, even if you train for a player with a perfect arm, uh, that his arm is going to hold up. So the Red Sox saw something in him, a promise. Uh, I just think it's kind of a lame excuse to give that as a reason not to okay the trade. Jim, you uh, pitched for Twins teams that included some of the greatest uh, batters in Twins history. You had a chance to see the team last year, how well they did. Now they've added Josh. Donaldson, what are your thoughts on the Twins as, as an offensive lineup? How would you like to pitch against that team? Well, I, I'd like the challenge, but I don't know if I'd <laughs> like the consequences. <laughs> you know, I mean, especially nowadays because uh, there's no more, uh, you know, weak bottom thirds with a pitcher hitting where you think you get a breather. You look at this lineup one through nine, and I don't know if anybody in baseball can match it. And I look at what Derek Falvey and Fat Lamine have done at the baseball operations. I think they've said, look, we haven't added what you'd call a Garrett Cole-type starter, but we have adequate starters, and we will just outscore the opposition. Now, if they're gonna, that lineup is going to produce against pitchers like Cole and Sale, uh, that's one thing we have to see. But certainly they're going to present as big a challenge to any pitcher uh, as any lineup in baseball. You know, and that's a great point, Jim, because last year it got them to the playoffs, and it was a fabulous, as you know, you called games, you saw them up close, just a fabulous summer of baseball in Minnesota to revive it and all that went with it. And then they got to New York, and I I often wondered as I watched that and was interested to get your comment on it, uh, you know, the Yankees didn't have their greatest pitching staff ever, but they controlled the Twins for three games. Was that a product of them having – a lot of fresh arms and guys that could come out of the bullpen, or is that a product of it's the playoffs and the Yankees play it different once they get to the playoffs? Uh, no, I don't think it's the Yankees play different. I, I, you know, I think their pitching staff was very deep in the bullpen. That's always been their strength. And if you are going to compete uh, in today's game, uh, starting pitchers now, you know, if you go twice through the batting order, that's pretty good. So yeah. in order to win big games, you're going to have to have, unless you have an elite or Verlander or Cole or, you know, Kershaw, if he's on top of his game, guys of that uh, magnitude, that ilk, I guess we'd say, uh, you're going to rely on 
strong arms out of the bullpen. Now, the Twins' bullpen has been excellent the last part of the year. So Duffy came along, and Rogers has been good. But that's really what separated the Yankees, is I don't think any team could come have guys come out of the bullpen with the power arms like they did with, you know, Green and Cadley and uh, Batanzas when he was healthy and then finish it off with Chapel. Jim, you've always had a great relationship with the Twins. Do we know what uh, role you'll be playing with the team here in the 2020 season? Uh, yes, we do, Dave. In fact, Dave St. Peter has been, uh, I just can't give him enough credit. You know me. Yep. Uh, the organization before, when it was under the uh, the Griffith, uh, you know, Griffith, Calvin run in the organization later when Calvin was gone, Howard Fox, they more or less forgot about us. And uh, when Dave took over, he he did a good job of bringing us all back into the fold as far as uh, reunions and making us feel, you know, like we were part of the Twins family. And then he reached out to me to be this fancy title special assistant, which I I make uh, half a dozen appearances, and I'm going to do 10 games on TV again with Dick Bremer and a few with Dick and and, uh, and Bert. So, uh, and, and the humorous part was last year, Dave said to me, we want to continue this relationship. So uh, we're going to offer you a two-year contract. I said, Dave, uh, hold on a minute. I'm 80 years old. Maybe you want to give me a two-week contract. <laughs> but anyway, I am, uh, I am about to enter my eighth decade of uh, being involved in Major League Baseball. And thanks to Dave, I have a Another year where the Twins are doing the same thing, those games on TV, and I was at Twins Fest. I'll go to uh, uh, the sponsor's dinner this spring and then the Hall of Fame induction uh, ceremonies in, in May. And, of course, we have the big 60th reunion of our franchise. I'm hoping to get my arm in shape and pitching in that game in August. Wow. Well, you, know, you you are someone – tell us when you're doing the games because we're circling them because it is really special uh, when you're doing color commentary and and, and with the back and forth you had with Bert, of course, was outstanding to give us a different perspective on it. Jim, you've been asked about this a lot, uh, the scandal in Houston, the stealing signs, the uh, you know what's inbounds, what's out of bounds. Uh, give us a perspective and, and where you see this going. Well, I was happy to see this morning Charlie Morton now has come forth and, and more or less said, hey, uh, you know, on one hand, he's apologizing as a pitcher, even though the pitchers didn't directly benefit from it. He did get good run support. But I think they're beginning, as I saw A.J. Inch's interview with Tom Perducci, uh, they are beginning to come out and apologize and say, yeah, yes, we, we knew what we did was wrong. And, uh you know, I, I liken it to maybe the steroid era is that all of us in baseball, in the back of our mind, we knew something was going on. And maybe it was, maybe we were all responsible in not coming forth sooner and saying, hey, we got to put an end to this. You know, this is really destroying the integrity of the game. And nobody did until Mike fires. Now, the problem I had with Mike is I liken it to Al Worthington when Al was with the White Sox. We knew they had a telescope in the uh, in the scoreboard. And Al, being of strong Christian principles, did not feel that was right. He went to management and said, I can't be a part of your team doing this. So Al ended up with us in Minnesota. Wow. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 we knew that teams, uh, first of all, they had legal ways of stealing signs, but there was also those little instances like the White Sox did. But uh, 
Uh, I, I think in spring training it's going to be interesting. I'm going to go down there and see Dusty because I'm only about a half hour from where they train, and I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of the Astros uh, players come out in the spring and say, look, we, what we did was wrong. Our passion overruled our reason. Even A.J. Hinch said I should not have tolerated uh, like I did, and it's, it's always going to be something Houston's going to have to live with, but I hope we could focus on Good teams like the Twins or the Astros have great players. Uh, I hope we get past this and uh, and get back to enjoying the game the way we always have. Jim, it's, it's hard to believe that you're in your 80s now because I think we all remember back when you were pitching for the Twins. One one memory I have was uh, I was going to do a feature story and I needed to talk to you when I was covering the team for the Minneapolis Tribune. You said, I'd be happy to talk to you, but, you know, I work. So I think we sat down at a place called Sports, Films, and Talents because in the off season you had a job. Uh, it just For people in the game now, it just seems maybe a different era. But there were a lot of guys on the team that had off-season jobs. Wow, that's a great memory, Dave. Yes, I worked uh, my friend Jim Paxton had a firm that yeah. made highlight films and represented some, like Bob Richards, the, the pole vaulter, was on the box of Wheaties, and that was my off-season job. I kind of put it into perspective with one of my young lads that uh, Caddy signed at our golf club in, uh, in Florida, and Justin Verlander played there uh, a couple of years ago, and I've gotten to know Justin well, and so I said to my friend Matt, I said, let me put Justin's career and mine in perspective financially. So Justin had just signed a three-year extension at $56 million, $28 million a year. So I said, let's say that Justin gets paid every two weeks over six months like we did in our day. So his check every two weeks would be about $2.3 million. My 25-year total income from playing baseball was two point one. <laughs> but I, you know, I started out, I did radio work in Shakopee and then did the, uh, uh, the sports films and talents. And yeah, I, I think it was in the early seventies before a lot of us really uh, felt like we made enough money where we could uh, not work in the, in the winter. <laughs> Some of the players today kind of have a hard time understanding that. Do you like the the way the season, you know, they started earlier now in March, and is is that be a product of the fact that these guys don't have to work and they're in such good shape that spring training doesn't take as long and they, and they can they can crank it up? Do you like the way that it's played out with the um, uh, starting in late March and playing it and with more days off? No, I don't really like that. I, uh, I talk about off-season. I was working for KSMM in Shakopee in 1964 in the winter. I interviewed Bill Peck who was speaking at Augsburg College. Now, some of people listening might not remember Bill Beck. He was a baseball owner and quite a promoter. And I said, Mr. Beck, tell me about the state of baseball. Remember, this was 1964. He said, it starts too early, it ends too late, there's too much in between. And, and then, he, <laughs> then he went on to say, one of the things that's going to hurt the owners is the high cost of mediocrity. And think about it, it was 1964, and that's what's true today. I just saw the commissioner... And I talk to him occasionally, and I said, these ideas are so radical, they never have it. But I said, what the game needs right now, quite a sign-stealing scandal, is some real drastic changes. I'd like to see seven inning games, 10-man maximum pitching staffs, soften the ball, regulate the bat, have split seasons, make September what marches to basketball. September would be a playoff month. World Series, first week of October, done. Now, That'll never happen, but if I had enough money to start a new league, that's the way we do it. 
Well, you always had uh, ideas that were ahead of your time, Jim. I got to ask one last question, and that is: Are you still playing golf right and left-handed? Because I think I recall in the last four or five years, didn't you uh, shoot your age from uh, hitting the ball from both sides? I did. That was kind of freaky. I did that when I was 75. My game has uh, deteriorated since then, but I am very fortunate to physically be able to play most days. And I do play uh, a little left and a little right. Uh, I find it very entertaining. And I got one last question for you, too, Jim. You're the youngest uh, 80-year-old that I know, and, and your memory and everything else. And when I saw you at Twins Fest, you're in such good physical shape. G- give us just a couple of cues uh, for those people that are, uh, you know, everybody deals with aging, but, but what, what has been a key for you to stay in sh- so sharp and so physically fit? I know somebody, uh, Bill Parcells, I think he and I have become great friends, and we both uh, talk about how fortunate we feel we are to, do what we do at this age. Somebody mentioned the quote the other day that Satchel Page said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Yep. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, what I think about, I, I think the key is I keep moving. Uh, I do now what's, what's called Tai Chi. I really enjoy it. It's good for balance. And I, I just try to keep moving. Fortunately, in baseball playing until I was 45, I was able to hang out with a lot of young people. And I think that's kept me young, and I'm just very fortunate that I've been blessed with uh, with good health. And other than that, I don't think there's any magic pill for it. Well, we always appreciate your time. So insightful, so articulate, and we hope we can tap into you again during the season. All right, I enjoyed it, guys. Good speaking with both of you. You bet. Jim Cott, the one and only. We come back, uh, Dave Mona and I will talk about the week that was, and it has been quite a week that was. And Blizzard is indicative of what has been in the sports world around here this last week. Stay with us, Sports Huddle. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Wow, what a week it has been here in Minnesota between the Twins, the Timberwolves, go for basketball, big win against Wisconsin, big loss against Penn State. Uh, it's all been in play. Minnesota Wild win three in a row about the time you think that they're down and out, and away we go. Uh, Dave Mona, that what's happened with the Timberwolves, and we'll talk to Ryan Saunders, Gerson Rosas, uh, Glenn Taylor, and uh, uh, and more today, so we'll get the lowdown on it. But, uh, I mean, I guess this is why we cover sports. Uh, you, they bring in D'Angelo Russell. He doesn't play last night. They score 142 points. You know, Mike, I was trying to remember a bigger week in Minnesota where trades involve multiple of our major franchises. And you could say the Herschel Walker deal was was a huge deal that certainly dominated the news. I couldn't come up with a week in which two of our major teams were involved in in two deals that that dominated the national scene on the day in which they happened. We still don't know how the one came out, but the Timberwolves deal, I don't remember a team virtually changing its roster mid-season, whether it be a local team or any team before. Ten roster spots have changed since uh, the beginning of the season. Obviously, started with Jeff Teague and Travian Graham getting traded a couple weeks ago to Atlanta. Uh, And then on and on we go. And uh, when they marched seven of them out there at City Center the other day (laughs) at at lunchtime and you saw them all up on stage, you go, whoa, I I don't even know. Uh, and, and we'll talk to the Wolves people about this, but, you, you know, uh, and then you think, well, my God, they're never going to get organized. Russell doesn't play last night. Uh, maybe that speaks to basketball a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's more simple than we think sometimes. Well, who knows? Last night's game, what a treat that was to watch. And as I was watching it, I, I thought, boy, you know, who, who might fit in well with this group of people? Lehman might fit in. We'd forgotten about him. He's one of the guys they still have. That's the kind of basketball he played early in the year. They were so much fun to watch last night. What a lineup we've got coming up this morning to talk about it. But that game was impossible to tune out. It was riveting. 
Gopher basketball team won a big one against Wisconsin, got beat uh, down 19 yesterday, got within three against Penn State, but it's pretty. It's looking now like it's going to have to be win the Big Ten championship or there's no NCAA tournament. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I kept, you know, thinking, uh, Eric Curry, what a difference. They just don't have any depth. When, you know, the top five play hard, but they get past 33, 34 minutes, they start to get tired. And then the, the guys that they bring in just don't have the same caliber of play. I, I, I thought they'd miss Curry, but I, I guess I didn't recognize quite how much they would miss him. Yeah, and, and Marcus Carr was just outstanding for a spurt yesterday. He scored about 12 points there and got him back in the game in about a span of about four minutes. And, and he and Oturo together, it, it's a shame to waste that combo because they are as good as there is the Big Ten in terms of a guard-big guy combo. Yeah, Mike, and you can add Willis to that in the in the Wisconsin game. Uh, he was he was absolutely sensational, and we talked last week and, and the week before. I still believe in Gabe Kalsher, and I, I think Kalsher's going to be a, a terrific addition to the team and have a terrific career as a gopher, but it's just hard to reckon with somebody losing the touch the way that he has for somebody you saw him shoot all the way back in high school and know how productive he can be, and that's another thing that they missed when they have to lean on just two players per game. Yeah, and I saw him in the section finals against Orono, one of the great performances I've ever seen. I think they were De La Salle was down uh, 10 or 12 with a couple minutes left. And, and I want to say, I might not have this correct, but I'm close. He hit four three-pointers in the last three minutes to put it into overtime, and they won and went to the state tournament uh, with a packed house, uh, standing room only, one of those unbelievable Minnesota moments. And, uh, yeah, he can shoot it. And we were talking to Trent Tucker the other day, and he said, I think that anytime you have a great shooter, you have to get them a bunch of open looks in the first five or ten minutes to get them engaged. Yep. So right, we'll talk more about that as we move on. We'll take a break, come back. Ryan Saunders, Phil Esten in the next half hour, Dave St. Peter, Brian Lawton, Glenn Taylor, Gerson Rosas, whole bunch straight ahead. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Mike Max in studio, Dave Mona by satellite, and Sid Hartman doing any time. We're He's fighting through this blizzard as well, and I'm sure cursing Mother Nature as we speak as he tries to get here to be part of the interview with Ryan Saunders. Ryan, welcome to the show. I hope you got into the office uh, okay today. Yeah, I, I got in. It was uh, it, it was definitely uh, it was definitely a little blurry out there, but uh, <laughs> I got in okay. Okay, before we talk about last night's remarkable game, let's talk about the week that was. Take us through it from a coach's standpoint. Last Sunday, let's just say until now, what, what was it like? What transpired? G- give us as much as you can of the inside look of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, a tra- trade deadline week. Uh, you know, it's, it's a week of obviously a lot of conversations. And, um, you know, Gerson and myself, you know, we – we joke that we, during the season, we probably talk more to each other, you know, whether it be in person or on the phone, than we talk to our spouses at times. Um, and he's a, he's a great partner in that sense where, you know, he keeps the head coach involved um, in decisions and, and him and I communicate. But him and him and his, his staff and, and group, I mean, I can't say enough unbelievable things about what their um, their process, how their processes go and how they, they work through what they think is going to be best for this roster and the system that we want to play. And, you know, you identify things that you feel are um, you need to do, you know, for the team moving forward, and uh, changes are made, and changes, you know, are never fun um, necessarily because, you know, you build relationships with people, um, but you also need to um, look towards the future. And ultimately, it's about putting the best product um, on the floor, what we feel we can have sustainable success um, with. And, uh, you know, we feel good about the guys that we acquired. Dave? Yeah, I was wondering, everybody knows, of course, about Russell. But when you get into the names deeper down, 
are you and, and Gerson always looking? Maybe there's a guy on another bench who comes on somebody else's bench, comes in, plays well against you in the back of your mind. And say, I could see that guy fitting in because all these pieces came together last night. And you look at him and said, well, where have these guys been? These guys can play basketball. No, absolutely. And, and we, you know, we actually grade out as an as a, as a organization staff individually, you know, almost like a, like a survey after each game. Um, where we go through each, you know, a little five-minute survey, each player um, on an opposing team, you know, even if the player did not play. Um, but our player that got in for two minutes or played 38 minutes, and we talk about their game that night, and then we talk about if they'd be a system fit. And so we're able to be collaborative in that process. And we're and so when the time comes and guys do become available, um, you know, you have uh, research and data and, and, and opinions uh, rather than trying to make snap judgments. Ryan, obviously D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns are going to form you know, a two-headed monster uh, uh, at some point in time here when he gets healthy enough. What, what's, how do you integrate that? What can you throw at him that's not too much to throw at him? Or, or is basketball a simpler game than we realize, and it's just a matter of those two kind of coordinating? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, you know, if they, were, if they were on this show right now, you know, I'm sure they'd say the same thing, but it's not going to be. You know, they're they're a huge part of what we're doing. Obviously, we're we're building around those guys, but you know, it's it's everybody and um, on this team. And um, you know, we'll make sure, we'll make sure that we're we're um, focusing on, on that. You know, as as we continue to develop guys and develop guys into roles around those guys, because um, ultimately that's what helps. You know, Carl in the post is, is if we have three point three point shooting um, and and our spacing is proper, and then D'Angelo in terms of you know, as he's a guy who's, who's a playmaker, you know, if we get, if we can get to our spacing in the corners, we give him outlets there. If we, if we understand timing, you know, he's able to make plays and use his um, natural abilities. Uh, but we will be keeping it simple for the time being uh, because that's what's um, owed to the players. You know, you don't want to overload them because they have had a lot of adjustment in the last week. Ryan, if you could talk about the, the speed of play on the offense and, and all the assists last night from guys who really have very little history of playing together, but they were hitting people in the proper spots, and the ball movement was just so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun, and that's what we want. And it's you know we, we uh, you know it's nothing against any guys that you know have come through this program or, or guys who are uh, you know m- maybe that's not the, the strong suit of their games, but we. You know, guys last night, I mean, I think Malik, you know, the way he shot the ball, but also Wancho, you know, the way they're ball movers, um, and they've had to be back for, um, you know, Denver when they played, you know, maybe not consistently large roles, but when they've gotten in, you know, they understand for them to get more minutes, they got they really need to fill in that role. Um, but then I give a lot of credit to a guy like James Johnson. I mean, he's, you know, it's one game, but, you know, you see some things that you really like out of, out of him and that group. And the rest of the team, the way they can fill in with guys, uh, just by the way that they were unselfish and the way they gave themselves up for each other. Ryan, what do you have to be to this team now? Because these guys are all on pins and needles because they're being evaluated every day, and you still got to bring them together and conceptually let them know what, what this is about. What, what do you have to be as a leader in that locker room yeah. to, to a much different team? Uh, just consistent. Just consistent. And, and be, you know, we know this year has been, you know, it's been a difficult year, I and mean, we know that. You know, good things take time, and you know we fully believe in, in what we're doing, and you know that was why you know losing losing is hard, but also you need to you know be be firm in your evaluations, and once again I give Gerson a lot of credit in, in wanting to be thorough 
um, going through the, the evaluation process with, um, you know, guys that we have had here who, who you know, we hope have success in other places, but, you know, just working here with the Timberwolves, um, the, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that, that we stay consistent, we do evaluate, but then also we allow these guys um, have to have freedom, but give them structure to, uh, to have that freedom. Ryan, uh, just uh, two guys an update. When can we expect to see Russell? Obviously, everybody interested in that. But as I watched your game last night, I said, you know, Jake Lehman could play with this bunch of people. Yeah. Is he at all close to be coming back? Yeah, no, he, he is. He is closer, and um, I don't. I don't have an exact timetable on that. But he has progressed where he's doing more um, shooting. Um, you know, where where he's uh, able to get off the floor. Uh, you know, the, the toe injury that he has had is one that, you know, you have to see how it responds, you know, on, on, you know, daily, uh, work and daily, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, pounding on that because, you know, the toe, I mean, people forget a lot of times, you know, in basketball, you're on a hard playing surface and you're stopping it going so frequently. Uh, so, you know, you want to make sure Jake's doing everything he can to get back. We want to see him back, but you want to make sure you're, uh, really taking players' health. Uh, in in the consideration. And D'Angelo, might he sit through the All Star break? Or I, I don't have an exact you know timetable on that either. I know it's it is a day to, his his injury is a day to day injury um, where you know he's he's done some stuff on the court, uh, but it, it just wasn't he wasn't well enough to play last night. Um, and you know we know he's a huge part of what we're doing, uh, so you know we'll make sure that that he's healthy and he feels comfortable too. Um, you know, when, when it's time to come back. Ryan, appreciate very much. We know you got to practice. Sid's going to be mad they didn't get in on time, but we'll make sure you get a Murray certificate. Sounds, sounds good, guys. I appreciate you. You bet. Uh, Ryan Saunders, right. tomorrow night right here on WCCL. It is the Timberwolves and the Toronto Raptors from Toronto. And uh, I don't know anybody that would have bet the Timberwolves over the Clippers last night, but the Raptors, right. they've got a more difficult time with. We'll take a break, come back with Phil Eston. Stay with us. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. We've reached out to Phil Eston, waiting to hopefully have him on here shortly, athletic director at the University of St. Thomas. They're getting the battles are going now. St. John's leading in men's basketball, Bethel, women's basketball, hockey looks like it's going to be up for grabs in the MIAC. Some great titles yet to be decided. Uh, I'm going to give you a statistic. That, and by the way, 651-989-9226 if you want to jump on, talk Twins, Timberwolves, um, uh, any of the above, Minnesota Wild, 651-989-9226. We'll take your phone calls here and entertain some phone calls. Uh, Sid Hartman will be coming in at 10 o'clock, and uh, uh, we'll continue with it. But we'll have some open time here until uh, probably Brian Lawton at 1020. Uh, uh, 651-989-9226. Uh, here's an interesting statistic. Uh, our game, I, I cover a lot of high school sports, and I haven't seen one like this for a while. On Friday night, Dave, Hopkins beat Buffalo 103-95 to straight up. Matthew Willard from Buffalo scored 53 points. Speaking to where Minnesota basketball is at right now, I think. Wow. I mean, there are guys who are scoring 30, 40 a night. Mike, I, I checked the box scores. I don't know who they are. I, but there are some people in high school sports, men's and women's in Minnesota, who can really put up some offensive numbers. Yeah, for sure. And this is going to be an interesting uh, – and Eden Prairie is playing the game of basketball right now. The boys' team is about as well as it can be played uh, in these parts for quite some time, I think, really. Um, Dave, the, uh, the Gopher women's team got a win against Wisconsin. Uh, they lost him a few weeks ago and, and, yeah. uh, maybe at least position themselves for a little bit of a role. 
Yeah, uh, and again, it's just like we talked about with the men, they've got a depth problem and that, you know, they had a game the other day with two players falling out and one injured. They had nobody left on the bench. Uh, we'd have been in a situation, they might have been down to four players. But uh, Lindsey Whalen seems to have rallied and gotten good play out of some players who hadn't played a whole lot before they had the, the shakeup and lost Destiny Pitts, their high scorer. You know, they're, they're marginal right now, whether or not they're going to make the, uh, the NCAA field. Uh, if not, they're the kind of team that go a long way in the, in the NIT. Let's go to Jerry in Russell, which is out by Tyler and not far from Ruthton. Jerry, what's the weather yeah, like where you, you are today? You know, well, it's, uh, the snow, it's blowing, it's snowing, and yeah, it's 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 winter. How many inches you got? Uh, I think we probably got about five or six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had 35 mile an hour winds with it, of course. Oh, yeah, and you got to have that out in the prairie here. It wouldn't be a blizzard. Oh, oh, oh God, you got to have that. <laughs> what do you got for us today? You know, watching the Timberwolves now, you know, it was an interesting game last night. You know, everybody's raining threes and everybody. I watched one play and it was on a highlight deal and it was like four players. Everybody's got to be behind that three-point line, you know, including our center, Carl Anthony Towns. But I, I'm wondering what your thoughts were. I like this Nas Reed. He's kind yeah. of a power guy. I kind of like that banger down low yet. He's interesting because he came out of uh, school early, a young project out of LSU. Uh, and uh, every time that he's played, he's played pretty well because he shoots the ball so well for as big as he is. And he's strong underneath and he can do some different things. But he is a prototypical of the future of the NBA where, where if you're big, you still have to be able to shoot the ball. And then he got out of the rotation for a while. Now that Gorgie Jeng has been traded, you'll see more and more of him. There's going to be auditions for everybody here. Russell and Towns will be the constant. Malik Beasley will be the next one that gets a lot of clock and time for him. Uh, but he is uh, what they're looking for. They like him a lot in terms of his future down the road, in terms of being what they call a rotation guy, which means he's good enough to play every night. And Dave Mona, that's exactly what they – if you're 6'10", 6'11", you better be able to shoot the three, and we never thought we'd say that. You know, Mike, as I watched a game last night, he was the prototypical, oh, no, great shot guy. He's got that funny-looking three-point shot. He holds the ball a little – funny and he and he lets go and he go what's a seven footer doing shooting out there from 20 oh great shot yeah, and, and, and I watch him at practice a lot, and he is, uh, you know, the, the one thing these guys do, and of course they have all uh, all day, but Malik Beasley, I was told, for example, came in, uh, he got traded on whatever it was Tuesday. They told me Wednesday night at 8 in the morning he was in the gym because they're just the Skyway walk away from it. Then he went came back at 11. Then they had practice, then he came back at night. Uh, I, I don't know that people understand how hard these guys work even during the season. You know, you want to talk about quick release. That was one of the things. I didn't know much about his game. I knew his name. I'd maybe seen him play a few minutes. But I had no idea. I knew he was a good three. That was one reason they got him. But he, his release was so quick. And that's one thing. You know, last night the passing was setting up those guys. But when they got the open three, their percentage was incredible. They were like one short of the, the league record, right? Yeah, for sure. Clancy and Hutchinson has been waiting patiently. Clancy, you're on. How, how, how are the roads looking down there on Highway 7? I'm pretty well closed in. Right. I'm not. I'm not venturing out until it gets cleared off. Until well, the wind's supposed to pick up also. So I don't know what we're going to have here today. Be careful. Two two, 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 two comments. Last weekend, both Michigan and Michigan State lost at home. When has that happened? How many years ago has that happened? I don't know. I mean, I know the records on that, but Michigan beat Michigan State yesterday too, which is a surprise. 
Yeah, I don't know how long ago that would be with Glancy. That's a pretty good trivia question because those teams have been at the top of the Big Ten. We're talking men's – well, actually, in a lot of sports, although Michigan State changed football coaches or lost their football coach during the week. But that would be a good question to research because I'm, I think you're right now, Clancy. That would be some time ago. You have something else? Comment. Uh, was Patrick Holmes uh, – Pat, Pat Mahomes, was he the best – selection for MVP of the Super Bowl? That's a good question, and Dave, you know, last week he won it, but I don't want to say it's an automatic, because uh, certainly, like, Peyton Manning, uh, when he led the Broncos a few years ago, didn't get it, but the quarterback's got about an 80% chance of winning the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, Mike, I like the way you put that. I think it's the quarterback's uh, thing to lose. Uh, going in, if, if a team plays well, uh, the odds-on pick is going to be the quarterback. If somebody has a, a crazy outstanding game, it could take something away. But I, I had no problem with it. As the game ended, I said to myself, Mahomes is going to get it, and I wasn't surprised when he did. Let's go to Ken and Blaine quickly. Ken. Good morning. Um, I have a question on the uh, Major League Baseball sign-stealing problem. I don't understand why the teams involved in that weren't uh, required to forfeit their games where they were doing that, similar to what Minnesota had when they had uh, in their basketball program this academic cheating. We had to actually forfeit all that, uh, and like we never existed through the uh, through the NCAA tournament. Why does uh, Major League Baseball teams get away with that? Well, you know whether they do or don't, though it makes no difference. What's the difference? I mean, and if you do that, you open up Pandora's box and you say. Well, Mark McGuire took steroids in 1998, yeah. and they won this many games. So how many, you, you can't begin, and I think you're better off just moving on because it doesn't matter. Uh, in 1997, the Gophers, you, you can take the banners down. Dave, you and I were there, and we had a heck of a good time watching them in San Antonio and into the Final Four. Uh, so I know that it actually happened. So I, I don't know you know, what difference it makes if you, if you take banners down or forfeit games or all those things. Uh, none of that matters at this point in time except moving on and making sure it doesn't happen again, Dave. Yeah, and I think what's next and what's last is going to be the players themselves. Jim Cott made a good point. We're starting to see one by one some of the players are coming out and apologizing. You know, does, does that erase what happened? No, but if you try to correct this now, you're a little late. I'm reading a book right now on the on the Giants who were, had a, binoculars in the outfield, and Bobby Thompson knew what was coming on the pitch from Ralph Branca. It's been going on for a long time, and, and you know, to start negating records, I mean, you haven't seen that really happen since the Black Sox scandal back in 19. Yeah, yeah, just, I mean, it doesn't really serve a purpose at this point. Plenty more to come on this edition of the Sports Huddle. We hope Sid Hartman's got he's got that four-wheel drive going, and my guess is he's bringing it in right now. He might even cross-country ski to the finish line. Uh, if he can get to about target center, he'll jump out of that vehicle and cross-country ski the rest of the way to make sure that he gets here. Uh, we've seen that move before. Coming up the rest of the way, though, we'll visit with Brian Lawton and break down the Minnesota Wild, who have gone on a surge this week. Three wins, the thousandth game played for Zach Parisi. Are they still sellers, or could they be buyers at the trade deadline and try to play themselves back into the playoffs? Gerson Rosas will join us. He'll give us the template how they put it all together. Glenn Taylor will spend some time with us, Dave St. Peter, and much more. You're listening to the Sports Huddle on News Talk 830 WCCO. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.